Welcome to the Pastor's Cut. This week, we have a special guest, Dave Childers, who serves as our global pastor. Yeah, and we get to talk with him about the Park 100, what's happening in the church globally right now, as well as what it's like to smuggle Bibles into the Soviet Union. Great, let's get started. I'm Hillary Murphy. And I'm Trevor Lovell. And this is the Pastor's Cut with Dave Childers. So today for the Pastor's Cut, we have a very special guest. He is a pastor. He is our global pastor, Dave Childers. And Dave, thank you so much for joining us. We've been trying to get you on the Pastor's Cut for a while now. I think COVID kind of interrupted our initial schedule there, but we're so glad to have you here, especially as we reflect on this past weekend and how that was Global Weekend, and to just really hear more about God's heart for the nations in that. And I think it's really amazing that here at Park, we do have a focus that With our mission statement, we transform lives, we renew the city, and we impact the world. So one-third of our mission statement is all about global, and it's just awesome to have you here this week to help share a little bit more of that. Yeah, it's great to be with you guys. Really appreciate the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we like to call Dave our uh, our international man of travel, and so not always an easy guy to pin down, but (laughs) we're we're glad to have you with us. Now during COVID, (laughs) I'm pinned down. So, yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is probably the longest you've been in one spot your whole life. <laughs> I, I think, um, yeah, I think since 1983, this is the longest stretch that I've been in the country. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really um, struggling. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Well, well we're, we're at least glad that it led to you being on this with us. <laughs> Dave, so as someone who has traveled around the world, I'm sure you have tasted fruit food from almost every country. So what is your favorite type of international cuisine? And where is your favorite spot to get that type of food here in Chicago? Well, uh, that's a tricky one. I mean, I love, I, I'll say I love Mediterranean food. So I love Turkish, I love Lebanese, I love Tunisian food, I love, you know, Moroccan food, um, all the way around the Mediterranean is, is kind of my, one of my favorites. So probably um, Cafe Orchid on Addison is, it has to be way up there. Um, there's also one, uh, a, a Lebanese place up on, um, on Devon, that's really good. Um, I, I like that one. And then there's uh, Garib Nawaz up in yeah. up in uh, West Rogers Park. That's a great um, Arabic place, a, a, a Pakistani place actually. So um, I, yeah, I kind of I like lots of different cuisine. <laughs> great, I'll have to try some of those. What about you, Trevor? Do you have a favorite spot? Yeah, yeah, good question. Uh, the ones that Dave you talked about are are definitely good ones that I've enjoyed too, like Garib Nawaz and uh, uh, Cafe Orchid. We live actually really close to Kebabi and Uno Kebab. They're both right next to each other, but uh, uh, they're both great. I think if I had to go one way or the other, it'd probably be Kebabi. I like can't get enough of their hummus. Um, so, and and everything they they make is great. But uh, yeah, that that's what it would be for me. What about you, Hillary? Well, I was actually going to say Kababi as well. I was there a couple of weeks ago and it's great. But another favorite place that's come to mind recently, it's actually Greek food. Um, and my favorite spot, I was afraid that they didn't survive COVID because they were closed for a little while. And just this week they reopened and it's called Greek Corner. It's in Westtown by where I live. 
And my favorite part is it's the only Greek food I found in Chicago that puts fries in their gyros. And when I was in Greece, all my gyros came with fries. And I'm like, this is great. And it's the only spot that does that here. So highly recommend their Olympic gyros. I love, I love Greek food too. Yes. Yeah, that sounds good. That does sound good. Man, so we actually have a little bit of a different format today because, uh, Dave, you didn't actually you didn't preach this past weekend, but you are a global pastor. And so uh, we had you on just to talk about different questions uh, related to global ministry. And so super excited for that. For that, the conversation is going to look a little bit different. But basically, we're just going to work through a series of questions with you and uh, look to glean from some of your wisdom on this. Um, so I'll go ahead and open us up with the first question. Uh, so I feel like for a lot of people, the concept of, of global kind of is a bit of a missing category when it comes to reading the Bible. I think it can be really easy to miss when a passage is actually talking about the global church, or at least God's heart for the world globally. The, and the thing is, once you come to see it, like I've experienced this, it's so easy to miss it. But then once you come to see it, you realize that it's it's kind of all over the place. It's everywhere throughout the Bible. Uh, but for you, what are some of the key passages that you'd take somebody to if you're kind of showing them that for the first time, who, who doesn't, uh, maybe hasn't seen that as a major theme throughout the Bible? What are some of those passages? Yeah, um, well, like you said, I think it really is everywhere. So I, I'd, I'd probably have an easier time if you asked me to give some passages that don't relate to God's heart for the nations. That's good. Um, That's good. Because it's just, I mean, it really is, seriously, from Genesis to Revelation. I mean, if, if you started reading in the book of Genesis, um, you'd have to go all the way to chapter 12 to really get a the first mention of the nations. Well, actually, the nations were created um, in Genesis 11. So I guess, you know, that makes sense that then God's heart for the nation is uh, the nations is right away in Genesis 12 when he when he was uh, talking to Abram, uh, Abraham, and and he said, I'm, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. And in he said, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So he right away talks about how this is not just for you, I'm, I'm, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, but it's, it's so that all the families of the earth would be blessed. And, and then one of my favorites um, uh, is, is over in 1 Kings chapter 8, and he, it's when um, Solomon was dedicating the temple. Solomon had just built the temple, and he was praying a prayer of dedication, and uh, 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 should I warn everybody right now, Trevor and Hillary, that that sometimes I get emotional when I talk about God's heart for the nations? Um, and so, if if that that if you get if you have a problem with somebody a guy being emotional, you you might want to tune out right real quick. Um, but but in in First Kings chapter eight, um, Solomon said when when he he prayed for the the temple, but then he said likewise when a foreigner who is not of your people Israel comes from a far country for your namesake for God's namesake, he said for they shall hear of your great name and your mighty hand. He's saying they're going to hear about you, God. And so when they do, and when they come to, to Jerusalem, he says, when he comes and prays toward this house, this temple, hear from heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you. 
I mean, it really is that even the temple, which we would say, well, this is for the Jews. Well, yes, but it's for all the peoples of the earth. I, I love um, Psalm chapter 67, of course, um, where, where, again, it ties in that same passage or that same theme from Genesis 12, that we're blessed to be a blessing, where, where he says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. He's saying, bless us, God bless us, get bless us. And then he says this in verse two, he says, so that your way may be, may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Um, again, we see it's not just about us. It's God blessing us, God blessing his people so that all the nations in the, on the earth would, would um, be knowing God and, and blessing God and praising God. Uh, then, of course, there's the um, you know, what sometimes is referred to as the Great Commission, Matthew 28, uh, where it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I think, I think too often we, we take that and we say, well, the, the, the point of that is go and make disciples. Well, yes, that's partly true. It says, go make disciples of all nations. So that it, it's sort of like... Um, Trevor, it'd almost be like if I said, I said, hey, could you go get, I, I'm going to give you some money. I want you to go buy a coffee for Hillary and, and give it to Hillary. And, and you came back to me and said, okay, I went and bought a coffee and it was delicious. <laughs> well, <laughs> you missed the object of the coffee. It wasn't, I didn't give you money to buy a coffee for Hillary or for you. I, I gave it to buy a coffee for Hillary. So it's the same way. It's like we go there for make disciples. Where? Who? Of all nations. Um, Mark chapter 16 really repeats. It says, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. I think we, we actually say there are five great commissions. Matthew, Mark, Luke. John and Acts all have, uh, at the end of Jesus' life, a, a command to go preach to all people, all nations. The, um, uh, Acts 1.8 says, go, um, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, it's not saying, it doesn't use the word or. It doesn't say, do it in Jerusalem or in Judea or in Samaria. It says, and. <laughs> It's, it's all of these are it. And then can I give one more? Um, yeah, yeah, keep rolling. It's just, it's just like I, get, I, I struggle to find the places where there's not the nations, where it's not the, all the people. Um, in Revelation, I mean, that, this incredible um, passage in Revelation chapter 5, uh, verse 9. Is talking about the scene in heaven at the throne, and I always struggle with my emotions when I talk about this. Um, but but they it says they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, singing to to Jesus, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. It's every one of those, and and that the, they're they're this picture that in heaven we're going to be standing there 
with all people from all different nations who have come to know and follow and love Jesus. I, I love Rafe um, shared a story in his sermon yesterday about being in a in a uh, worship service in Bangkok, Thailand, and just struggling with his emotions when he heard them singing praise with in in Thai. Um, and and to me, it's this this um, image of this incredibly huge orchestra, you know, and, and an orchestra has beauty partly because it's a blend of all different instruments. I mean, imagine if you went to an orchestra concert and all that played was the tubas. Now, I don't have anything against tubas. I mean, they're, they're nice. But if I go to an orchestra concert, I want to hear all the instru instruments blending together. And I think that's the image that we have there in the throne room of God, that there will be people from all different languages, all different cultures who are worshiping Jesus in their language. Man, I mean, this is incredible to think of. And so it's just it, 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 that that concert, if you will, would be incomplete if every instrument is at the point. So I think there's a, a, a strong emphasis in Scripture that there will be people worshiping Jesus from every language and every culture and every people group. So Revelation 7, 9 does the same thing. It says there is a great multitude no one could number from every nation, all tribes, peoples, languages, standing before the throne um, and, and crying out salvation belongs to our God. So, sorry, I'll, I'll stop there. There's, there's, I mean, it's just, the, the, uh, uh, believe it or not, that's just my summary view of, of <laughs> passages in scripture that talk about the nations. I mean, it really is um, everywhere. So, yeah. Yeah, that was great. That's beautiful. Thanks, Dave. This COVID season here has been very difficult for many of us in the States, but we also have a lot of goers or global partners, missionaries that we support all across the world. And as you've been in contact with them, how has the season been for our global partners? How has it hit them differently than it's hitting us here in the States? Yeah, good question, Hillary. There, I mean, there's, there are, um, it, it's a variety of things. I mean, there's, there's some great challenges. I mean, um, you guys know that we have sent just this year, we've sent, um, six people so far, um, six goers since the start of, since January 1st, we've sent six people long-term overseas. And um, the, most of them were jumping into language um, learning. Uh, you know, they're going to places where they've got to learn a foreign language. And um, the, most of them, well, several of them arrived just before the COVID hit and and lockdowns in their locations and so i mean you can imagine how challenging it is to try to learn a language when you can't even be face to face with somebody you know they're so most of them are doing language learning 
on on Zoom or or Skype or some other video uh, calling, and um, so that's been a huge challenge. I mean, so because yeah, learning a language, you know, you've got to be able to see how the mouth shapes that word, that sound, you know, and all of the yeah. all the issues around that. And so they haven't been able to to do that in person. And a big part of language learning, I mean, typically they'll they'll go learn language, have class or a tutor for four hours or so in the morning. And then they go out in the afternoon, just going into stores, getting into conversations with people in the park and trying to practice their language. Well, they can't practice. So they're, they're, uh, there's a huge challenge there for our goers. Now they're doing a good job of it. I've been, I've been interacting with them and, and they're really start working on it. They're working hard They're um, So they're doing it, but they're really struggling in, in many ways. The, uh, another big piece for our most current goers is the visa issues. Uh, we've had one um, of our global partners who had to come back to the States because they're on, most of them are on like tourist visas, which in order to renew the tourist visa, you have to leave the country. Now, for some of them, that's you leave the country for the day and come back and you're, you're good. You can renew your visa. Um, but some of them aren't able to do that. And if you leave the country, you got to go into quarantine and, you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. So that's been a big issue too. So visa issues have been a, a challenge for people at, at the same time, I'd say there's some incredible opportunities. Um, one of our global partners does, um, she coordinates digital strategies for an, an organization. And she has seen that there's more opportunities, more responsiveness now than maybe ever before. Um, that people are, you know, the way we're struggling um, with more loneliness, I think, more uh, emotional, mental challenges, uh, relational issues, having the separation being locked down. And, and that's true around the world. And so the, there are more people that, that she's been dealing with um, that have, have been saying, I want to know more about God. I want to know more about what is life really all about? What's the purpose of life? Um, and so they're, they're, God's really opened some incredible doors during this season too. So it's a, it's a, pro, a good and bad there, just like with everything. Yeah. That's great. And you mentioned we sent six people just this year, even right before COVID. And I believe that is six out of the Park 100. Can you tell us what the Park 100 is and kind of give us an update on where we at, are at with reaching that goal? Yeah, so the Park 100 um, is our vision, desire to send 100 people from Park to go to places where there's little or no access to the gospel. And so um, we, we really have a desire to see a lot of people from Park go. Um, and so we're, we're, we've sent so far um, 18. Uh, we're, we've got number 19 that's just waiting to buy a, a ticket um, as soon as his country opens up uh, to be able to go to the Middle East. And so um, there's, th th we've got, we'll have 19 and then we've got um, six more 
right away in the early 2021 that are wanting to go, ready to go, and then a number of others that, well, actually, I should say seven more. Um, I, I'm kind of losing track of how many. There's, <laughs> there's a, a bunch of people right now. Um, it, it, it's going to be between seven and 12 in the next year. So That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that so, is. That's pretty great. Cool. Lord. Yeah. All right. Um, so, Dave, you've uh, got an interesting role here, right? Being global pastor, uh, it's not. It is kind of a unique role. And so, I'm just curious, right? What are some of the, what are some of the most significant, uh, whether they're books, experiences, maybe even relationships, uh, some of the things that God has used throughout your life that have shaped you specifically as a global follower of Christ? Uh, what are some of those things for you? Well, yeah, you, I, I do have a really interesting um, role here. And I, I say my job, I've got the best job in the world, really. Um, I, I, I tell the pastors um, at Park that, that their job is to get more people to come to Park. My job is to get more people to leave Park. Um, and so, I, I, you know, I, I really have fun. Um, anyway, um, I, I, there are several, I, I'd say things that have really shaped me. Um, some books that have, have been really instrumental. I'd say um, several of John Piper's books. Um, uh, he wrote a book titled Don't Waste Your Life. I think everybody ought to read that. Um, there's a story in there that I cannot even tell because I get too emotional. Um, so I'm not even going to try to tell that. But there's a, there's a, a, a great, um, the story of the seashell. Um, you, you should you should check that out. Um, you can see it, find it on YouTube too. Um, the, the seashell story by John Piper. Um, but then also his other book, uh, let, uh, one of his other books, the, let the nations be glad is an incredible book about God's heart for the nations. Um, Don Richardson's book. Uh, he was a, a missionary in, um, Yuri and Jaya, uh, Papua New Guinea, Yuri and Jaya. Um, and it's, he's got a book titled eternity in their hearts. A phenomenal book. Um, and if you want a book that's that's going to really inspire you, um, there's one called, uh, is by David Garrison called A Wind in the House of Islam. And it's talking about how how God is moving in the Muslim world today um, to, to bring people to, to Christ. Um, I, I'd say a couple of experiences that have really impacted me. I, I my first trip overseas, I was um, taking a team of high school students, and we were in, traveling through France and um, came to a city. We were in a city of 100,000 people and um, heard that there's a church there. Uh, now, at that time, they said that there were somewhere around 300,000 cities or, or towns or villages in Europe that did not have a single evangelical church. Um, and so we were in a church of 100, or a city of 100,000 and heard that there was a church. So we went on a Sunday morning and uh, there were 30 people at this church. And they said, well, this is actually the church, the only church in this city. Um, wow. So 30 people in a town of, in a city of 100,000. I mean, that, that'd be the equivalent of 800 Christians in the entire city of Chicago, a total of 800 Christians in, in, an entire, in our entire city. I mean, it's just so few Christians there. Um, so that really impacted me the way that, that um, you know, I'm so used to, 
driving down the street and seeing a church on every other corner, you know? Um, and so that was a really impactful thing. I, I was, uh, another thing, um, I was in a Muslim country, a uh, Muslim predominant country, and um, was, was actually in a mosque and the, the call to prayer went off. And I saw this teenage boy, probably 13, 14 years old, um, and he was praying. And I, I watched him as he prayed fervently and i thought how many teenage boys in america would would publicly pray you know um now there are some but but here's this teenage boy muslim boy praying um and he doesn't give a rip about who's watching what's happening around him he's so focused his he's so intent on his he's so intent on his relationship with god um and and he's worshiping uh um it's not a, a true worship of god and that really impacted me to see how sincere i was reminded of um is it is it um um romans chapter uh nine uh, or 11, where, where it's, it's um, I, I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but it's not according to truth. You know, that Paul saying that about the Jews, I, I find there, there's this incredible zeal for God, for their religion in the Muslim world. That, that deeply impacted me. Um, can I give you one more? Um, one more experience yeah. that really shaped me too was um, I back a number of years ago. Um, this will date it. Um, I, I, I was smuggling Bibles into the Soviet <laughs> Union um, back during the Soviet Union days, and um, smuggled a carload of Bibles in. We drove across East. It was at that time, at that time East Germany across Poland into the Soviet Union. Um, and we were praying fervently that we wouldn't get caught because the, I, had, I had a friend who had done that about five months before we were there and he had gotten arrested and put in a prison for five days. And, I, and then he got kicked out of the country. And I was hoping, I, I didn't really have a desire to spend any time in a <laughs> Soviet prison. So um, I, I, we were praying that, that the, God would, would um, allow us to get these Bibles into the Soviet Union. And so um, we got in, um, drove to a, pulled off at a rest stop after we'd driven for an hour or so. And um, this car came in and it had two guys in the, in the car. And so I walked up to the car. I had this, these little Bibles and I, I, I took the Bible and I, I said in my best Russian, um, and um, which, which the, if you said it the right way, it would mean this is a gift. Now, I, I'm not good with languages, so um, the, 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 they finally understood that I was, I was trying to give them this Bible. And um, when, I, when the guy opened it, he, saw, he looked at it and he said, oh, Biblia, Biblia. And they started fighting over this Bible. They, they started trying to, each of them was trying to grab it. And I finally pulled out another one. And I, I said, I've got one, I've got another one here. I'll give you one. And, and the, the one guy held it up to his, his chest and he started to cry. And uh, that, I had a friend who, who spoke some Russian. And, and um, so he said, the guy is saying that he once saw a Bible, that his grandmother had a Bible when he was a little boy, and he had always wanted a Bible, and uh, he had never seen another Bible. 
and here I had just given it one. And I thought, oh my word, this is insane. I have how many Bibles on my shelf? And this man once saw a Bible and now is crying because I gave it one. Um, and it's just like that really grabbed me too of just seeing the need around the world and the desire for truth. So anyway, that's, that, that would be another one of those experiences that really shaped me. I could go on, but I probably should stop there. <laughs> yeah. No, thanks for sharing. It's, yeah, it's always really cool to just hear the different experiences that God uses to shape people. And uh, yeah, yeah, good stories. Thanks, Dave. And as I mentioned earlier, part of our mission statement here is very globally focused, um, impacting the world. So I'm curious, what do you see happening in the church globally right now? Yeah, it, it, it's uh, actually, we're probably living in the most incredible time in history um, globally and, and in the, the Christian um, world. Um, I was, I was on a call last week um, with a number of leaders, mission leaders from around the world, about 60 um, mission leaders from literally all over the world. And um, one piece of it was talking about what we're, what's happening. Uh, now, this was specifically in the Muslim world. Um, and the, it, it really is amazing what, what God is doing right now. I mentioned that book, Wind in the House of Islam. Uh, this refers to it, but um, the, it, it's um, staggering what God's doing right now. Um, and, and one of the things they talked about there, one of the guys who, who was a researcher said that in 1950, there were 10,000 Muslim background believers, you know, Muslims who had come to put their faith in Jesus. There were about 10,000 total in 1950. Um, in 1960, that number had risen to 150,000. So from 10,000 to 150,000 in that 10 years. Um, then they said that in 2010, there were 10 million they estimated 10 million Muslim background believers. And today, 2020, they say that there's an estimate of 25 million Muslim background believers. That, so just in the last 10 years, somewhere in the vicinity of 15 million Muslims have come to, to know Jesus. Um, and so there is this major movement among Muslims, especially, but other, other places too, of, of people coming to know Christ. Um, and, and there's just a, a move of the spirit of God, I believe, in the world today. Um, so that's one area that I would say just, it's incredible what God's doing there. Um, the, another cool thing, and I, I, I um, uh, one other thing that somebody talked about the other day was um, other countries who are sending missionaries now. You know, it's so, for so long, it was missionaries were from the West, um, Europe and North America, um, to the rest of the world. And, and so we used to say from the West to the rest, um, and now it's from everywhere to everywhere. 
and it really is. I mean, there, there's, um, I, I don't know if, if you've heard of the Back to Jerusalem movement. Um, the Back to Jerusalem movement is a, a, gr- a group of um, underground churches, house churches in China, who have said they have a desire, a vision to send 100,000 missionaries from churches in China, house churches in China, to the Muslim world. 100,000 they want to send. Um, the church in Latin America has just exploded with the missionary sending vision. Um, there's a whole organization, Tommy Bomb, that, that is about sending Latin American missionaries to the rest of the world. Um, the, the church in Nigeria is one of the biggest sending churches. They have a vision to send uh, 10,000 missionaries from Nigeria to North Africa um, among the Muslim uh, countries there in North Africa. So there's, there's just a huge move, I think, across the world. At the same time, I think we still have a role because sometimes yeah. people will say, well, that, you know, it's, it's their job now. Um, but I don't see that the Great Commission has changed for us. We still are called to make disciples of all nations. So the, the, I think there's, it, it really is from everywhere to everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Dave, our last question uh, for, for our time together here today. As our global pastor, what do you hope to see happen within our church in terms of its global engagement? How do you hope God stirs in us in that direction? Yeah, I I think um, it was John Stott who said, a famous pastor um, in, in England, in London, um, who said every Christian should be a global Christian because God is a global God. Um, and I think that's probably summarizes what I would hope would be true for Park, that, that it would be not just a few people who say, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm about that. I'm about the nations. But my hope, my desire would be to see everybody at Park say, I'm a global Christian. I'm about seeing Jesus worshiped among all nations. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody is going to pack their bags and move overseas. Um, I think there's more of us that should be, um, and and maybe God is calling more of us. I mean, I, I know Jackson always used to say, um, every one of us should be asking the question, should I stay or should I go? And, and um, you know, he and Donna asked the question and said, okay, I guess we're going. So I think there's more of us to do that. But everybody has a, a role to play. Um, I, I, you know, Jesus um, saying, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you, was not to just a couple people. That was not just to some super Christians. That was to everybody. So we're all sent ones. What does that mean that we're sent? Well, we're sent to our neighbors, to those we work with, those we interact with, and to the nations. So we all have a role. So, um, yeah, I think that's one. Um, I, 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 I'm excited about seeing what's happening um, with more and more people getting involved globally. Uh, I don't know if you know that we asked all of our goers who are preparing to go overseas, um, they have to develop an advocacy team. Um, and and they, they get people who know them, want to care for them, 
um, help sustain them on the field, care, you know, communicate with them, uh, pray for them on a regular basis. Uh, we've got we've got over 60 people right now in on advocacy teams for just our goers that have left in the last year or so. Um, so we're, we're hoping to see more advocacy, those advocacy teams grow, and we need a lot more. Um, so that's one that's a, a, a no-brainer for people to, if you if you care about people, if you like to communicate with people, um, you know, if you like to pray for people, it's a great role. Anybody can do that. So um, advocacy teams is one. Um, you know, this year, for the first time, we're doing perspectives class online. Um, and it's, it's, uh, that just takes all the, a lot of the barriers out of, I know a lot of people who have, have thought, man, do a 15 week class that's, you know, I have to drive down to near North to do that and do it on, on a 15 weeks in the winter time. Um, and, and that's just brutal, you know? And, um, so we're, we're actually doing it all online this year. And so anybody can do it. Um, and would love to encourage people to, to take that uh, this this year, starting in January. And and a lot of I think there's going to be a lot of small groups that do it, where they just change their normal meeting and do um, do their small group and take 15 weeks to go through perspective as a group. And um, so that's another great way to do that. So th those are a couple uh, practical things that anybody could do. And where can someone sign up for this perspectives course? Yeah, it's all the information is online um, on the global page. If you go to the global tab on the website and and um, look there, it, it's under it's there. And and the registration link I don't think is up yet. Uh, it'll be up in the next month. Uh, so we're we're it it starts we start in September or in, in January um, with perspectives. So. Dave, this has been so great having you with us. Thanks so much for your time. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks again for joining us for this week's episode of The Pastor's Cut. It really was a great reminder from Pastor Dave about what our role is as believers. We hope you join us again next week as we dive further into Romans with Romans chapter 11.